0: Well, 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 welcome to part two of the Heretic Happy Hour Live one-year anniversary podcast. I don't have to introduce myself again, do I? No, I'm not going to. All right, so welcome. Thank you guys for coming. Um, So we now want to open up the floor for questions. We do have uh, Taylor here who will walk around with a microphone. If you have a question, raise your hand uh, and uh, she'll pass you the microphone. Uh, I hope you have questions because if not this will be extremely short and very embarrassing. so I hope you have questions please bring us your question and and if it's about the topic of church, that's great, but it doesn't have to be it can be about any anything having to do with in general you know no. all right we do have a question <laughs> okay um here's a question Where did Jesus go?
1: Wait where, where he, did he Jesus, went all? You mean down. you mean in the ascension? He went all yes. over Israel. In the, so uh, in the so essence.
0: Jesus physically ascended from the Mount of Olives. He he shot up into the atmosphere. He he, he went past the moon. He kind of just like, flew, shot off, and he's physically floating somewhere near Alpha Centauri. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. That that is a great question. So the, I think what it begs the it begs uh, uh, another question, which is <clears throat> is the ascension. Was the ascension of Christ literal? Did he literally physically float into the sky and just disappear out of sight? And if so, then he did he translate to some spiritual realm? And yet, supposedly, he's still physically in a physical body, right, with scars and all that. Um, that is a great question, guys. What do you think?
1: I don't know. That's a what good. You, that's what, a good answer. Y- yeah, I've no. I've no. Well, it's it's you hard because. It's hard because when you say, like, what literally happened, well, what do you mean by literal?
0: If you were standing there that day, what would you have seen?
1: What I've seen? It depends on if I was on mushrooms or not. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have no no clue. I, I think there's a literal truth behind the ascension in that I see Jesus as Lord and Jesus as the icon of the Father, what God is like we see in Jesus. As far as a... What metaphysically happened to Jesus' body, and who? I, I, I hate to leave the question unanswered, but I have no clue.
2: <laughs>
0: what do you think?
3: You know, I think it, I find this to be interesting. On Easter, we only talk about Jesus rising from the dead, but why does he get all the press? Because he he wasn't the only one that rose from the dead on Easter, according to the Bible. I'm saying if you use the Bible as your if you use the Bible as your source of information. According to the Bible, Jesus was just one of many others that rose from the dead that day. That's in the Bible, by the way. So many others rose from the dead that day.
0: Right According. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? I think it was actually at the crucifixion. John says at the crucifixion there was an earthquake and that graves opened. up. No, this is actually on. The, but on Easter Sunday too. Yeah, that Sunday?
3: many. It says many came out of the tombs that day.
0: Are you sure? Yeah, hundred percent. That, that sounds new to me.
3: Yep. In,
1: but
0: believe, hey, check that. Check that. Someone check that at home. Check it out. It's you're there. It's, of, it's in you're the think, Bible.
1: You're thinking of the Walking Dead.
3: It's in one of the. <laughs> it's in one of the four Gospels. I would see. Th- I think it's Matthew. The Gospel of Thomas. I think it's, Ma- I think it's Matthew. And I'm this. Of I- I'm talking about the fourth century Chapter Bible. Chapter three. That was created in the fourth century. I'm talking about that one. That
0: one. Okay.
3: That one, which is has only four Gospels. I don't know about. It was whittled down to four in the fourth century. So the one that we have now is the fourth century Bible, and it has Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those gospels, it cont- it talks about Jesus rising from the dead among many other people. There were many others that day that rose from the dead. So he's not the only one that rose from the dead. Jesus is just the firstborn among many others, according to the Bible.
0: But what do you think? Answer his question because his question was about where at, is he? Where is where, he? Where is Jesus? Are you asking where is he right now, or where did he go? <laughs> well, that's a, no no that's a great question okay well that's another I think a much harder question is your first question honestly that that is a conundrum I think man what a great question gosh you win the award for the best question uh because I think so much Christian I used to be in apologetics and Christian apologetics is so centered around the resurrection there's so much evidence for the resurrection and we're all we're all into proving that he physically rose from the dead. But I have never heard an apologist explain where the physical body of Jesus went and where is the physical body of Jesus right now. If it physically left, it left earth, launched into the sky, and went up into space, and where is that physical body at this moment? was well, not
3: here, let's say that.
0: Yeah, I don't... It's not here. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I think, And I think... The question, but I think the question is great because what it does is then it causes um, it causes us to to ask another question, which is: Is the ascension account intended to be completely a physical description of a physical event, or is there a spiritual element of it, metaphorically, spiritually, that it's it's intending to convey another truth that we have assumed is literal physical? That may only be intending to communicate something that is metaphorical or spiritual, and again, and my answer would be, I don't know.
3: By the way, this uh, thank you, Jared, for this. the The, the scripture verse comes from Matthew twenty seven fifty two, and it says, "And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep arose, having come forth out of the tombs after his rise. After his rising, they went into the holy city and appeared to many." And so um, this was after Jesus rose from the dead, according to this writer of this.
0: So this is why it threw me off because it's it's it it's telling you this as it's telling you what happened after the crucifixion. Right. So but like, it does mention that it's after his it's, resurrection that they then they showed themselves. So, so
3: many people opened the tombs open and they appeared appeared, you know.
0: I, I think the I think the psychological
3: a lot of times people don't like to think that Jesus isn't here because we're we are looking for Jesus. And what I mean by that is we're looking for the physical man, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago. We, we are looking for him to like show up, and he's not here, and that's discomforting to us psychologically. Um, and I think that's why we don't like emphasize that he's not actually here. But it's good that he's not here. It's actually a good thing that he's not here.
0: Isn't that what he said? He said yeah, I think yes, he actually said that. He said, it's better for you if I go away.
3: Yeah, it's good. Right. so Jesus isn't here. I don't actually emphasize, I don't, My per- in my personal life, I don't really focus on Jesus.
1: Because you don't love him.
3: No, it's not, no. <laughs> you, it's, you don't believe no, in but Jesus. but it's because you you're here. It's Jesus. because it's because we're all you're here. are heretic. We're here. We're here. I'm here, you're here. Why do we need Jesus?
0: Well... Her- no heresy button. Her- heresy? Why no, no. It's, it's a legitimate. <laughs> on, it's people. a
3: legitimate question. It's a legitimate so question. Why would Jesus say it's better if I go? If it wasn't better that he went. That's right. So if it's better if he if it's better if he goes, then it means there is something transcendent. Jesus came to reveal the Christ, and that Christ is now revealed through us, and it's just as good as if Jesus is here right now because Jesus came to reveal the Christ, and guess where Christ is in every one of us right christ in so, the hope of glory yeah so okay. it that is the essence so why why would you focused on a guy who lived 2000 years ago who is not here he's not here hello
0: he's not here but, but you he you would say yeah. i i think i i'm saying this correctly you correct me but i think yeah. you would say that jesus isn't here but christ is here totally and christ is in you totally. and in me if you see me you've seen the christ that's right
3: if you've seen you, you've seen the christ just look in the mirror but Jesus, he yeah, thank and, you for and, what you and, did two thousand years ago. We needed that, and now we're here.
0: Yeah, and the difference is this is where you and I are off a little bit because, like, I equate Jesus with the Christ, and you see Christ and Jesus as separate.
3: No, ideas. no, no. I see Christ as transcendent. Right. I I wouldn't say Christ and Jesus are. You I wouldn't say Christ, Christ is, is Jesus.
0: only Jesus.
3: Right. Jesus yes. Christ isn't Jesus' last name.
0: Yes, of course not. <laughs>
3: Which is not actually known by a yes, lot of people. Many people
0: think that's his last name.
3: Jesus Christ, the same person. No, Jesus is the manifestation, the revelation of Christ, but no more or less than you or I.
0: Yes. Christ I would disagree. No, it's not heresy. My gosh. Come on, people. But, um, but I, I do love, I like the second question, because I, I think the second question, like where is where is Jesus now? It's fun, it's funny because when I ask that if I ask an adult that question, if I say where is God now or where is, where is Christ now, the most of the time, ninety percent of the time, an adult will answer that question by saying he'll point up to the sky. God is up there. Jesus is up there. But if you ask a child where is Jesus, they'll say they'll point to themselves in their heart. Jesus is no,
1: here. My, I don't think my daughter would. I think she'd be like, "What are you talking yeah. about?" Uh, <laughs>
0: You're, you're, hanging, you're hanging out at the wrong elementary if, schools. Um,
3: I would say what lives in me is Christ. Mm-hmm. But, but, but that would include you, include Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, to include all of, everything and everybody. Right. Not just Jesus.
0: All right, awesome. We did not answer your question, <laughs> but we had a great time not answering it. And I think it's a great question. Anyone else?
2: I think I might be able to answer the question.
0: All right, you got it. All right, so
2: I I think I could buy the literal ascension for the benefit of a couple first century Jewish guys because if Jesus is going to do anything, he's got to do it better than another guy who flew off in a flaming chariot. Yeah. So okay, yeah, he literally ascended into the sky. But then to answer the second question, which we can't do, where was he before he appeared in the upper room to his apostle? You know, to Mm. everybody, where was he before he appeared on the road to Emmaus? Mm -hmm. Right. That's where he is.
0: I am the so, Okay. Like <laughs> oh, that was your, that wasn't a question. That Clever was your answer to the, the previous That was question.
2: my answer. So, I think you know, as soon as the resurrection, he was resurrected, he was already the spirit the counselor, although he wasn't really that until he totally left, but he still manifested physically to the benefit of those around him who knew him physically.
0: Okay. Cool. That's a good that's a good theory, I think. Anyone else have a question? You have a question? I was just going to ask for a little bit of your clarification on the idea of community and how is that different from relationship?
2: Because you said everyone should be in their community, whether you're seeing them or not or wherever you're present with them, whereas sometimes relationship seems more intentional. You're setting up meetings, be it just weekly friendship, you know, get togethers. But um, where do you see them? Different, not different? Are those both in that church category?
3: That's a, that's a good question. <clears throat> community, I think, um, I, I would say community is something that exists independent of anything you create. Um, because community isn't something you have to create. Community just is it just exists. So you create like events. But a lot of times people do that because they feel a lack of community they create events in order to experience community. I think a lot of what's called church is an an attempt to to arrive at community. Um, And so what happens, they create the event to get to the community. But the problem is, is that that event has a beginning and an ending. And then you're only really a part of it if you come to it. But community is something that just always exists. So if 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 you can understand that community always exists, it just is, then it becomes more natural for you to then just observe where do I, where do I fit in that? Like what's my place in that? Who do I natu- naturally have relationships with and you just kind of flow in that? And it becomes less about, hey, because if you put a lot of pressure on a thing, if it has to deliver on community. It's like we gotta be part of community. You know, I believe human, one of the essential human needs is to be connected in relationships. Love and connection is an essential humanity. All of us need it. But if you have to create it, then there's a lot of pressure on like, man, this thing better deliver. This, ne- this next hour or two better really deliver. It's like saying like, you know you know, couples are in a relationship and they're like, well, our relationship is going to make a break based on how the date night goes. That's a lot of pressure on the date. You know, <laughs> That's why dating has a lot of pressure and it's not sustainable and that's why people don't stay in it. You move beyond it into where What do you move? You move beyond dating into this place where it's like, oh, this is kind of a way of life. This is kind of what we experience, and that's more natural. It's because dating is not sustainable because it's like a lot of pressure on the event. So I think if you look at the New Testament, you look at a lot of dating. You see the New Testament model as people getting together, trying to figure out how this thing works, but it's not sustainable, and it wasn't for them. And I don't think it is for anybody, ultimately. Eventually, where we're moving to is just a place where it just is. And we're like living life and experiencing community, experiencing people for where they're where they're at, and then entering into a relationship with them and moving in that direction. So to me, my understanding of that is community. Just like if you're dating somebody, you would move into a place where you're actually like experiencing life with them because that's the whole point of like creating these events to see whether or not you can function, you know. But to me, once you move into that essence of like community, and to me, community is when you become present so when you can become present you get rid of your beliefs that i don't say get rid of them in the sense you don't have any beliefs but i mean when you get rid of seeing people through the grid of beliefs whether they belong to you or belong you know you're associating with them or not then you can actually then become present to the point that you're like oh i'm here you know like if you just go to the grocery store or go to the mall or go or whatever or, or at work or whatever you're doing, you can look around and go, oh, there's people here. And those are people that you can have community with. Then maybe you may have a relationship and then that kind of thing. So that's I don't know if that answers your question.
1: I I take issue a little bit with the idea of community because in terms of studying I've done a lot of studying of uh, cultural anthropology, um, mimetic theory, um, a French anthropologist named René Girard studying the the way in which we form our communities. Often, often we form our communities at the expense of someone else, at the expense of another, a surrogate victim, a scapegoat, someone we can all agree that that... You know, like um, when we killed bin Laden, we all sung... You know, God bless America in the streets. Democrats, Republicans, whatever. We all came around as a community at the expense of another. So often, I I, I guess didn't. I would take it. Uh, it.
0: I, huh? did, I, did, I didn't do that.
1: Well, not all of us.
0: I don't say all of us. But, but I know what you
1: mean. A lot of us. You know what I mean.
0: Many people.
1: Uh, oftentimes, we form our communities at the expense of another. So, you know, Nazi Germany came together at the expense of Jews. Uh, oftentimes, we come together at the expense of the LGBT. We say, well, they're the they're the problem. So we. We all can agree that they're the problem so we can come together. And so I have a problem with the idea of community in the sense of it's something natural. Well, it's something human that does help form our communities. I would say that in, so this is, I guess, if I was going to answer the what is church question, what is the true church of God, the, the, the community that comes together, not at the expense of another, but at the but embracing the other instead of instead of killing a victim, um, breaking a body, or spilling the blood, we come together bread and wine. So you know that whole eucharistic subversive idea that we come together over a meal rather than at the expense of another is, I think, a very anthropological way that. To say that in the way that we've always structured our communities, it's at the expense of someone we can all agree is the problem for our issues. Well, I think the Christian method or the Christian answer or the the true church answer is, well, we realize this is what we do. And instead of doing that, we're going to embrace the other and we're going to bring them to the table and we're going to share a meal instead of breaking a body. So. I don't know if it's a natural idea to come together just naturally with a community and love and all that sort of thing. It seems like the natural thing to do is to do it at the expense of another. The unnatural or Christian way is to do it by including the other, including the one we want to scapegoat, the Judas. Jesus washes the feet of Judas knowing... This gonna Okay, can I jump in? I here? don't want to put words in. This motherfucker is gonna, about to <laughs> about to sell me out. I'm about to wash his feet. I'm yeah. about to break him. So when you him. say
3: that's unnatural, it's natural to our true nature.
1: It's natural, to, true, true nature. It's it's unnatural to, to our, our anthropological, nature. cultural, yeah. tribalistic, yeah. Yeah. false so, nature. False nature. Yeah. But our true right.
3: nature would say, Matthew, you're a tax collector. You are seen at odds with a political zealot because mm-hmm. you know. Tax collectors were seen as the sellouts to the Romans. Sure. And so Jesus said, you belong, and you, the political zealot, James and John, you belong too yep, yep. because
0: everybody belongs. That's a great point, yeah. I, I, I think the great thing, what I love about, um, I totally agree with this. The, the whole idea of tribalism is, is such a toxic thing, and it is uh, it's not a good thing. Tribalism is a horrible thing. And it's and tribalism totally exists within Christianity, unfortunately. That's why you have Baptists and Methodists and Episcopals and Lutherans and Presbyterians, and they each have their own sort of tribalistic ways of, of dealing with each other. Jesus is not tribalistic. And to be truly someone who follows Christ, is, it's genius, because Jesus says, follow me. And when you follow Jesus, you discover someone who isn't tribalistic, who actually every parable he, stu- every parable he tells, he makes the enemies of his own tribe the heroes of the story. Always right. He he's he's like he's the un tribalistic. The the leader.
1: Samaritan sh- story should shock yeah. us to the point where if we told it now, we the Samaritan Muslim. would be an ISIS member. An ISIS
0: member, exactly. That
1: should shock the shit out of and it. That's, that's how that's how, exactly, that's how shocking it would have been. That's
0: that's what it was right. exactly. So I wanted to exactly. So I, I I think that's the genius of true Christianity, a Christ like way of believing where. There is no tribe, but there is no like your shirt says, "just us." There's, there's no them. It's Which you just can us. get now at the heritage. Which Network. is available now. <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, but I wanted to say, I want to, I want to answer, uh, just respond real quick to the community question, and and it's something that you said, Jamal. I agree. Events, events don't create community, but if you have genuine community, you might plan an event. In the same way, using your metaphor. Dating, dating may not create love, but once I fall in love, I might go on a date, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I I just want to say that, right? Exactly. But it would be a it would be a natural thing. So just having an event or just saying let's have a gathering doesn't create community. Mm -hmm. But if you genuinely have the community, then of course you're going to hang out.
3: Yeah. Right. Oh, of course, it's natural. It's like kids have friends and they get together and hang out.
0: Yeah. So they're. I, yeah, I, I think when
3: Jesus that. says "follow me," it's a little hard to do right now because He's not here.
0: It's always been hard though. No, I don't mean easy. hard like Following because the, easy, because
3: it's the, because it's like a challenge. I don't mean that. I mean like it's impossible. Is what I'm saying it's impossible to follow Jesus because He's not here. But we You're, have an account of
0: the things He taught and said right. He did. So when so
3: Jesus says could we follow, "follow that," yeah, when Jesus says "follow me," saying I'm providing the ultimate example right. for you. So the example is, he referred to himself as the child of mankind. <coughs> that was his term, son of, son of man. So he's saying, look, I have no allegiances other than to humanity. Son of, child of humanity. Son of mankind. A human. His, his favorite term for himself was human. Child of mankind. So it's, it's an improper thing to say that Jesus, by saying, follow me, he's creating a subset of people that follow him. And now that's a subset. It's actually a fundamental misunderstanding of the whole purpose which is to say that there is no subset. We're all human, and we all belong. And we should follow that example that we all belong. So it's not another set. It's not another thing. It's not another organization. It's not another tribe. It's not another label. It's not another religion. It's just human. So there are people who would identify with being human and follow and include everybody into that. And then, I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. Even when he called the twelve. It wasn't like they were a part of this clique because they somehow chose to believe certain things about Jesus. I mean, that may have enabled them to walk in this little circle and be in the campfire at night. But he was and I believe that he was providing an example and saying, look, see how all these people from all these different places in human culture and society belong? That's the way it all it's the way it is in yeah. the world. Yeah. And this is the example I want you to all live by. Yeah. You
0: know. I agree with your Everyone, take a drink. Excellent. Any other questions? Anyone else have a? Yep, yeah, Sean. Sure.
4: Gentlemen, I uh, my my relationship with church has been very uh, very much of a roller coaster ride. And Matt, I I uh, I I know the struggle you you've gone through with like not wanting anything to do with with church and like that. And I was definitely I was there, still kind of in there. <laughs> bounce it back and forth. But uh, for me, church was um, somewhere that I can go to kind of like work out my own faith, my own deconstruction and things like that. And that's the value that I found in like potential church. I found it in podcasts and I found it with friends. I found it at the bar with, uh, you know, go and hang out with friends and and talk, work out, you know, our own faith, just, but not in in an organized church setting. And I guess my question is, for each of you, do you guys have a place that outside of like a church walls or organization, where do you prefer to work out your faith questions and doubts and, and all that, that kind of stuff?
1: Well, like I said, I, I, I meet with my friend who's um, his dad's a philosopher for 30 years and wrote books and taught philosophy. Um, I do that once a week over a bonfire. Um, I have some friends that I hang out with and we talk about movies or certain videos we've watched. Um, The safest place I feel to work out my faith is with my wife because her and I, it's not like we disagree. It's just, she's way more agnostic than I am because she's in a different process than I was. We both grew up in a very fundamentalist church and have been working through that for years and, like our relationship we understand does not hinge in any way on what we believe. I mean, in some way and what we believe, like if she was like, I need to spank my kid every time she's wrong, like, okay, this is a problem (laughs) we need to work through. But so in some way there's beliefs, but, but not doctrinal beliefs, more like beliefs on how best to love, but there's still grace for that when we disagree. Um, so those are the places I've found the most, um, Commiseration, if that's the right word um but it's yeah i it's difficult because we came from a we can't we my wife and i both came from a background where to question something is actually to condemn yourself
2: Mm -hmm. to
1: i guess burning (laughs) forever which is a pretty bad destination so it's um but yeah so i there's it's a very small select group of people mm-hmm. with which uh, we feel like there's opportunity to question something and to be okay with an agnostic belief or a, I'm okay with not knowing that answer. So I'm not okay where Jesus is. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay. with not knowing where Jesus is. I'm okay with not knowing what the church is. I'm not, I'm personally okay with, I have no, clue what an angel is i I've, <laughs> I've never worked that out i can i can deconstruct demonology and satanology sure. and i could talk about satan for an whole episode or two but i have no idea what an angel I, I have no idea what that is so you know living in that so there's a small select group of people who, who 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 are also okay with you not knowing yeah and it's been like a couple friends that we hang out with on Friday night, my friend Mike, who's a Buddhist, and my wife. <laughs> That's, so, yeah. Guys?
3: Uh, for me, I've had different seasons. So I think life is seasonal. It's not like you arrive at a season, it's just recognizing the season you're in. I've had seasons where I was working out my faith by being a part of a traditional church. So I would come on Sunday and I would listen to the sermon and I'd sing the songs and be part of the, the midweek Bible study. And that was what I needed at that time. And that was good. Um, And I've been, that's been a season for me. And then I moved out of that season and to a season where I was creating that. So I've been a pastor. I've started church. I started church and we did, did, we created that environment for people and that was a season. And then I got to a season where I started to see through that and didn't believe in that. And then I deconstructed from that. And I was a a part of a season where there were people who met in homes because they didn't believe in that as well. And that was the season for me right now where I would say I am I feel really good and comfortable about is I feel comfortable about to me seeing the divine or seeing God or experiencing God in just life. And just like that means in the morning with coffee or interacting with my girlfriend or watching a movie or getting together for dinner or meeting with groups of people like this, like whatever I find myself in being enjoying that and being a part of that and like, and just seeing that as it's all part of the divine's way of expressing God mm-hmm. and me like experiencing and living that and just enjoying that and being there. And not seeing it as like I'm missing something, I need to, I'm not a part of something. Like I used to believe I wasn't a part of something. and that was my that was my drive. I had such a drive to create something that I could be a part of. Or or to join something I could be a part of because if if I didn't I was not okay because I felt like I wasn't a part of something so now that I realize no I'm a part of everything I already belong community is then I can just go oh well, life then becomes meaningful in everything so that's where I'm at right now there might be a season though where like I'm like oh yeah it's nice to like come and be a part of a, a, a more regular thing I'm not opposed to that but
1: you're, so you're so you're gonna start a house church next is that what you're <laughs> no, saying
0: I don't. I don't think it's not right right now probably
1: (laughs) I have no plans to do that
0: (laughs) um it's funny because I'm I process things verbally I do a lot of reading so I'm always because I'm a writer and I write books we all write books but I'm always I'm almost always reading something that is eventually going to it's research that's going to play into some the next book I'm thinking about writing um and quite often the things I'm reading are challenging my ideas and, and stretching my assumptions and stuff and um I used to wonder why Wendy and I, like every time I would have an epiphany, I'd turn the corner on something and go, oh my gosh, I just, I can't believe this, you know? And I would turn the corner and Wendy would be like, well, yeah. And after a while I'd be like, has she always been there? And she's waiting for me to catch up to her? Like, what is that? Like, we've never had a problem. We've never gone like across, like I went this way and she went that way. And I asked her one time, like, why is that? And she goes, Keith you stop and read like every cool thing in every book you've ever you read and I and then I realize yeah I do. I go, oh my gosh, check this out. And I'll read it to her because I'm excited about it. And I need to process it verbally. So because it's sort of like that's why Wendy and I have always stayed on the same page because I'm always bouncing ideas off of her and she's she's so smart. She is she's a genius and she she is such a grounding in my life. And so I've I've really appreciated Wendy's feedback for me. And many times uh I have been wrestling with something or struggling with something i've been reading and she's helped me process through it it's been really great i have a couple of friends in my life not not many like maybe two people in my life oh thanks that yeah (laughs) and by the way and by the way i have a podcast and that and that's the truth this this podcast has been really great for me as well because not only do i get to express but i get to you know absorb and listen and we get to dialogue um, and by the way, we do this all the time. Anytime we get together without a microphone, we just sit around. We were at Ralph's house last time we were together. And I was like, Ralph's we should like, have save it for the this. podcast. We should have recorded this because we we would talk about this stuff anyway. We just love this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, would just, I just want to say too, like, church for me, even, even the house church that we're having now, church has never been a place for me to deconstruct. Church has never been a place for me to work things out theologically. It just has I, that. Just isn't the way it works. That doesn't mean I don't learn something. That doesn't mean once in a while something I don't go. Oh, whoa! I didn't see that. But it's just that's not the place I take my deconstruction to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's usually only with me and Wendy, or maybe with one or two friends, or this podcast. So. We got next.
1: we got like thirty more minutes. So, please, please any other questions? Pass that mic around.
0: Where did Cain get his wife? Uh, you know, anything. Come on. <laughs> Anybody got a question? Yeah, over here, Jason. Wait, 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 no, wait, we wait, need wait, a wait, 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 mic, We need
1: a mic. This is we a need. live show.
0: Not, we're be recording a, be a this. Be a professional. We need the microphone. So, Jason.
2: Hey, guys. Do you think that we can get any hints about the meaning of church for us today from looking at the way the New Testament writers used the word like the ecclesia like called out that that idea how how do we apply that meaning to to now to now i guess i should have put a period there
3: yeah see ecclesia that's a great question this is how i'm understanding that these days um there's a guy carl pearson i don't know if you guys we interviewed him on our on our podcast they did a movie on... Uh, ne- Come Sunday, Netflix. Netflix. Great movie. Ne- Netflix uh, did a movie on him called uh, Come Sunday. Yeah, it's a true Great. story about his his deconstruction. But it's a uh, beautiful man. Uh, but one of the things he talked about, he, he talked about this t- the term ecclesia as being, there are people who have revelation. Like, so you look at Jesus. So Jesus was the revelation of what God is like, what humans are like, I really believe is that. And so then he then was... He, he preached the message like he went out, compelled to proclaim this message, the gospel. So, like I always found it fascinating that it said that Jesus went out proclaiming, especially after John the Baptist, that Jesus went out proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. This was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, so that means he had a message, yes. and that message was something <laughs> which I find it amazing. So he had he was preaching a message to people, and this message was about. The idea that the reign of God or the kingdom of God has come to the earth. And actually, it's already here. And actually, it's it's within us. It's what his message was. And he was telling that, he's like, hey, the thing you've been looking for, it's within you. Love that message, by the way. Because people are like, I don't want to hear that. But it's like, so, and then of course, the idea was like, well, who is Jesus? Well, who are you? Like, where where do you get your authority? He wasn't credentialed. He wasn't, you know, he didn't go through the same schooling or any of that. It's like, well, no, I'm the Christ. The son of the living God. I and mean, we asked Peter that. It's like, who do people say that I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He's like, well, okay, upon, okay, that revelation. And then he's like, and let me tell you who you are. So it wasn't just about Jesus. Jesus then turned around and was like, no, let me tell you who you are. You are a part of this rock. You are Peter, which means you're a part of this rock. And upon this rock that you just declared, I will build my ecclesia, my community. So I honestly believe that the church is not everybody. I don't mean community, by the way. When I say that, so that's why I think we need to distinguish between what we mean when church and community communities for everybody, everyone belongs the ecclesia and Carlton Pearson brought this out in our interview. There are certain people who feel compelled to bring this message to the world. And I think those are the, that's the church. These are the people that are part of this assembly of called out people to belong to say, I want to liberate humanity. They see it as their mission to liberate people from these beliefs of God is not with you, because the word Jesus, remember his name was Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So he that, he literally embodied this message of God is with you, and he's taking that message to the world. And then he had people who also were called to be a part of that and to launch that. That's, that's, that's a unique calling and mission, and I don't think every, that's everyone's mission on the earth. I don't think everyone's here to do that. But the people who are here to do that, I would say is part of the ecclesia, which I would call church, but I don't mean community by that. And so you could have people who are, I think, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., I think Gandhi was a part of that. Uh, you don't have to be Christian to be part of this ecclesia of people. That's what I loved about Carl Pearson's interview with us. Some of these, It doesn't have to be about Jesus, by the way. Anybody can have this message that you belong, that, you, that you're included, that you are enough. This is the message that Jesus preached to the world. Jesus preached this message. God is with you. You know that you're loved, that you're included. All these things. If you look at all the parables, there's a common theme. And then also, he was slamming the religious folks that <laughs> would see the world through us and them labels too. But I mean, there are people doing that work today that aren't Christians. I would say that they're much part of the ecclesia. So that's just my understanding of the church. Yeah. So.
1: I would just. I think I agree with Jamal. I would add like like the, there's this term kenosis that we get from like Philippians two five through eleven where Jesus empties himself. And so I think when we when we live in a life oriented towards emptying ourselves, killing our ego for the sake of others, for loving others, that's that's when we're living this true free life. Um, it sounds paradoxical. It sounds enslaving, like we're serving some. But when we choose to live a life oriented toward denying ourselves and and living a life oriented in love for the other that that is the true calling of what Jesus and, and which is why it's so hard because especially in a, a Western context a very individualistic context, it's very hard to live that. And it, and it's also dangerous. It opens you up yourself up. I mean, um, for people to take advantage of you mm-hmm. in that sort of way, like, like this, this whole idea that, you know, like if we think of, the power of god well how do we think of the power of god well typically we think of these grandiose terms but if we think of the power of god as like isaiah 53 you know where the suffering servant is the one who shuts the mouths of the nations like how can how can someone who suffers for the benefit of others be the one who's given this power like it's this whole reversal like so the ones who are called out i think to answer the question like of our last episode, what is the church? Those who are called to serve others. It's a very difficult task. It's, you know, picking up your cross daily. It's um, living a life that is oriented toward the benefit of others. Yes. It's um, it's a very radical task. Uh, it's not one that I want to live every day. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like. Yeah. deny yourself it's it's very difficult
0: so i i've got a slightly different well maybe not maybe you guys would agree with some of this like um what i see when i look at the new testament and we talk about um the apostle apostle just means sent ones so people were sent out with this good news of the kingdom The good news of the kingdom is you can enter the kingdom of God right this second. The kingdom of God is within you. It's close enough to touch. You can access it. You can, you can, you can live in the reality of the rule and reign of God in your life this very second. You can experience the indwelling power of Christ right now. You don't have to wait till you die. Do you die? And, and, and so I, what I see is that when that message goes out spontaneously, people go, Whoa, this is freaking awesome. And then the more people, that then they want to tell other people about it. And then now I got like 10, 20 people in my, in my community, very very community uh, village. I'm talking like people who live in proximity to one another. Uh, they're all excited about this. This is amazing. And like, they just want to get together and, and experience it and talk about it and share it with one another. And I feel that, um, that what is described in the New Testament, I don't mean it. I think to answer, so I think your question is like, so can we see something in the New Testament the idea of ecclesia, and that's something that can benefit us today. The the key thing, the takeaway to me is that it's meant to be done in with other people. It's not a lone ranger thing. It's not you by yourself all alone, you and God. The in everything, all of the languages, we need each other to do this. Right? We we we're not alone. We need each other. This, that the metaphor of the body is this idea that. The lungs need the liver, need the kidneys, need the heart, need the brain, need the intestines, need the whatever, the nervous system. Like it, it, the thing doesn't work without each other. Everyone's included. Everyone is necessary. Everyone, we you have something we all need. And even the spiritual gifts, right? The beautiful thing that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12 is he says, the spirit of God gives gifts to each one just as he determines, but the gift isn't for you. If God gives you a gift of teaching, it's not to build you up. Look at me, I'm the teacher. It's because when you get together with your community, with your friends, with your other people in your community who are excited about this, this excitement of, the, of this good news of the kingdom, when you guys get together, God gives you a gift of teaching because when you get together, this guy goes, you know, there's something I don't understand. Could you explain this to me? And then God gives you a gift of teaching to, to help him understand something, right? And then someone else comes to the gathering and they're discouraged, man. They, they just They're down, they don't know what to do. God gives this other person the gift of encouragement so that this person can encourage the person who needs encouragement. All of the all of the spiritual gifts are intended to be this symbiotic thing. God could just download, oh, you don't understand something? Information. You, you need encouragement? Encouragement. But he doesn't. He gives what you need to her. He gives what you need to him. And it's so that we understand that we need one another to make this work. And it has to be something where it, it includes then an others-focused gathering. I'm coming to bless you. I'm coming to be a servant to you. I'm, I'm esteeming others as greater than me. They're more important than myself, right? Um, that idea of coming underneath people to serve them, to wash their feet, to bless them. Whatever I've got that can be a blessing to you, it's yours, right? Whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever ability, whatever thing God just puffed in my brain right now. I don't know where that came from. I think this word is for you. Boom. That was a blessing to you, right? But that to me is what if we can take away something from the New Testament, it's that. It's that piece. Then it's meant to be the symbiotic sharing thing where it's for one another and we love one another and we express the love of Christ to one another in the ways that we serve Mm -hmm. and bless and honor one another as more important and greater than us.
3: Yeah. The original question, tell me the end of the question because I had a thought. No, I I actually had a thought that (laughs) Was it the – your original question, again, was
2: – Yeah, I was just asking what you guys think we can like apply from – From the New Testament. The, the New Testament, yeah, okay. specifically the, the word that he, was used. Here's a thought that comes to mind.
3: Just take it for whatever it's worth. I At some point in our country, just using a political example, at some point in order to govern and get things done, we needed to have parties. We had to have the Republican Party, the Democratic Party – you know, the, the Whig party, whatever the parties that we've had, you know, in our history. And that was how you organized and got things done. I personally think we're moving into a level of consciousness as a hu- as a human species now where that's no longer uh, effective. We're seeing beyond that. We've actually hit the ceiling of that. We're going, yeah, this tr- that's still tribal at some point. And it's it really not – it's keeping us from coming together. And I kind of would say that about the New Testament idea of church race. Right? So this that's where it's controversial. I would say that was important then for them working out their understandings. But we've gotten to a place now where it really has gotten in the way. There are, there are so, we don't need another group, in my opinion. We don't need another thing, another denomination. Really what's needed is just learning to actually see human beings as part of the same community and learning to just, have relationships with the people that are in our circles to have a relationship with. So I might say that the New Testament model, you can learn from it, learn from what they experienced. It's not bad. It's not like they did something wrong. I just don't know that that's where, do you, I mean, that's 2,000 years ago, and we're moving forward. We're evolving. Again, the Bible sh- shouldn't be seen. When we look at the scriptures, uh, what, what I would call the fourth century compilation of, of scriptures, I don't think we should look at that book and say that's how that's like a pigeonhole that keeps us operating this way. As much as we can look at it and go, oh, it's very interesting, we can see some insights, things they, some things they learned, some th- from their mistakes, also some things they learned from Revelation, and then say, but where are we today? And 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 I my personal inclination is like, yeah, I don't, I, don't, uh, I kind of feel like we're moving beyond tribalism as a human species that we're evolving to a point where. That's just getting not not only just in religious terms, I'm not even talking about nationalism. We're having debates now about what is what constitutes a nation, what are our borders? Who belongs here? These are all to me, it's all spiritual. Everything's spiritual. But even that, those conversations we're having is about we're all having the same conversation. We're moving in a direction.
1: Isn't that the the gospel message in the New Testament? Is that what you're saying like those things are now null and void in right.
0: christ there right.
3: is no
1: right. division. Jew, jew or gentile, gentile
0: slave or free male or female
1: this
3: is the idea
0: yeah
1: right but we're but, practically but, moving. but isn't it. that the right idea that we can then apply in the 21st century and say sure there is no gay or straight yeah. there is no um cis hetero and there's no tra- like christian or those Muslim or, those yeah. divisions don't matter in the true church for those who are a part of the ecclesia, yeah. those divisions, there's no, there's no Jew and Christian. There's no Muslim and Christian. There are those right. who love and yeah. And those who maybe <laughs> have yet to learn to, yeah. you know, so, but yes. not necessarily any sort of
2: Division.
1: sexual or gender or creedal or none of those divisions. Yeah.
3: Only I think that only works if we understand the understanding the meaning of what Christ is. Because when we say in Christ, well people use that. It's all, First, it's Christians all have been doing our, that all the time. So in Christ that means Jesus. It means you must believe these it's things. It's all about
1: our interpretation, right? Right. Exactly. right.
3: Yeah. But what if Christ is another I love what Richard Ross says, Christ is another name for everything. And that's his next book. Which I think, hey, I, I can get down with that. Christ is another name for everything. Well then cool, we can have this conversation. But if it's if it's another name for a tribe, then we're back at the problem.
2: So I
1: Certainly, we have one or two more questions.
0: At least one or two more questions would be awesome.
1: He's your phone, Jack. Oh, it's
0: insurance. Okay, look out. Here's, here's the guy with the dangerous questions. Look out. <laughs> um,
3: why is the fear of disconnection so strong?
0: Dude, can you just ask something simple? You know, Well, wow. why is the fear of disconnection? So, yeah. well, it's a human thing, right? We all want to belong to something. I, I think I heard someone say once that every human being, I'm not sure where this came from, but every, every human being wants to believe something, belong to something, or become something. Uh, and I've always heard, I've heard it, I heard it used originally in the context, it's some, it's some you know, uh, psychological truth, supposedly, that it's been boiled down to that every human being wants to believe something, belong to something, or become something. The, the context that I heard it expressed in, though, was more in the sense of uh, using that as a way to begin a, a conversation with someone. To, 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 in other words, just a, if you meet a total stranger, start pulling out of them what is it they want to believe, what is it they want to belong to, what is it they want to become. Because everybody wants one of those three things, or everybody wants those three things in general. Um, I don't know. I, I think I just think it's a it's a normal thing. Like we we want to families. You know what I mean? I think that when we're born, we're, we're part of a family. Uh, the idea of not being a part of that family is is horrible. And and for many people, um, sometimes that's used against them as a tool, right? As a weapon against them. Like, well, if you believe this, or you you behave that way, or you whatever, don't agree with your parents on this you're out of the family right and that's the ultimate right and then unfortunately churches adopt some of that toxicity as well if you don't believe the way we believe or the way the pastor believes or the way the denomination believes then you're out and it's quite often used as a weapon against people it's fear and control ultimately but it only works that fear and control only works if being connected really matters to us right if it it has to matter enough it has to it has to be something so valuable that I'm willing to put up with the crap that I would have to go through just to stay connected to this thing, even though in the, in some ways, maybe the thing that I'm connected to might, is, might be toxic or might be bad for me, right? Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, for me, you guys can see what you think, but to me, I think it's just a human thing, and unfortunately, it's something that people use as a weapon against people to control them and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Can you ask the question one more time?
3: Why is the fear of disconnection so strong?
1: Ah, uh, God. A great question. Um, I think built into our human day, human DNA is this... Um, this ability to imitate each other in such a way where we think of ourselves as individuals, but when it gets down to it, we're all just a bunch of imitative creatures who learn how to imitate from from the time we're born. some anthropologists or or, or psychologists suggest before we're born, we're already imitating. Memetic. Uh, It's very memetic. Um, It's just a part of, our dna to, to to attach our identity to the other without knowing that we are we think of ourselves especially here in the united states of you know these autonomous individuals but when you get down to it we're all just imitating each other mm-hmm. so we're already connected to each other without realizing that we are and it's just such a human thing to when we feel disconnected from each other because we've been imitating eat one another for so long, we loo- we, we get into this existential crisis. Who am I? Like yeah. I, what, what's the point of all this? Am I completely stripped bare? You know? Yeah. So it's just, I think it's, you know, people ask me is, was well, it bad that we imitate each other? And so it's not bad or good. It could be good. Or it could be bad. It's very human to imitate each other. It's not a good or bad thing. And so when we feel disconnected from people, we, com- we, we feel stripped of our humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a part it's of funny. our DNA. I mean, I don't know if it's an evolutionary thing. It's a, psycho- it's a psychological thing. It's definitely an anthropological or sociological thing. Um, I'm sure some psychologists um, uh, melts off and, and more uh, would, would suggest it's, it's, it's built into the fabric of our psychology. Uh, and I'm not a psychologist, so I wouldn't be able to expand on it any more than that from a scientific standpoint. But built into the fabric of our DNA is imitating one another. It's very sobering reality. but at the same time, you know seems to be the truth.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting too, because in psychology, you know there's classifications for people who do not. Feel the need to be connected to other people. People who are like hermits, or people who are, you know, such incredible narcissists that, you know, all they care about is themselves. Um, so th- those people are. Let's mentally not get
1: too political. I'm just. Kidding. But I'm saying though,
0: those people are mentally ill, right? We classify those people as there's something. They're not. There's something broken. They're really what's wrong with them? They don't care about what other people think. They don't want to be a part of this, you know, thing. They, they don't. They don't participate in this. Uh, human thing of be of wanting to be connected with everybody else and wanting to participate in society and, you know, do what everybody else does. And someone who's deviant from that is just sort of like, Whoa, there's something wrong with you. Right. We can't even, we don't even know what what to do with you because all of a sudden you're not, you don't seem to care about the thing that everybody cares about. Right.
1: Right. We call it sociopathy.
0: Yes. So. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. I would say, the desire, the natural desire that all people have is to belong and to be connected. And that's because that is that is a mirror reflection of God. Um, and we're created as mere beings of God. So everything belongs because that's, that's reality. So when there's a suggestion that you may not belong, it's an assault at, against your very being of who you are. So... And then there's messages, we're all born and we'll receive these messages, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever it is, that all these messages can compile. And then that, that fear grows, like you're not successful enough, you're not accomplished enough, all these things. So then we begin, and that means if we're not any of those things, then we don't belong. So we're working really hard, but really what we want to feel is that we belong, that we measure up, that we're enough, that we're included That's what really, really want because that to me reflects what God is. God is belonging. God is all. God is everything. God is being itself, consciousness itself. So that's what we were created to to feel and to be connected to. So that's why people are afraid of that, (laughs) not feeling that because there's been a suggestion that we're not we're not these things, but that's.
1: I think this is where like Trinitarian theology actually makes sense. Like if you just, you know, when I, when I grew up in the church, like explaining the Trinity was just mind boggling. I couldn't do it, but it's like this sense of like, you know, the, the, the one part of the Trinity, like giving to the other yeah. and the other giving back. It's like, that seems to be how human beings are wired. Like we're wired to, you know, love one another and, you know, we always say it's better to give than receive and we, we, we see it as this platitude. Mm-hmm. But it's honest, true. Like, like if I can give my wife this amazing gift that she loves, like, that's always yeah. more important to me than her giving me a gift that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I love this. But at the same time, like, I would much rather, like, blow your mind with this, like, amazing poem or something. Like, mm-hmm. So it's like this. I feel like we're wired to be in this, like, divine dance to, yep. like. Piggyback on Richard Rohr and, and Mike Morrell's heretical book that got <laughs> scathed by Christianity, but like that seems to be the the truth of our essence. Like we're supposed to be in this dance where we give to that we we and and we find our belonging in 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 yep. doing things for others and loving others and and the ones we love, you know, when they love us back and they, in in this, in this flow, as Jamal might say, like that's where I feel like we find our true essence. And, you know, in the West we think like if we, if we get the more things and we get all this and that and we're selfish, we're going to be happy. You know, I, I was talking to one person who said, and I don't want to be political, but someone said, well, Trump must be very, very secure because he had a lot of things. And I'm like, Honestly, that seems like the most insecure man that I've ever seen. Like, and that's, that's not to, that's not to say he's a terrible person. I think he does terrible things. I honestly believe that. But, but it seems like more of an insecure person who doesn't feel whole. And so that's how we then act. We act narcissistically Mm -hmm. and we think that if we get more and more and more things, we're going to be happy. But it's actually when we give ourselves away that we, ideally when others in our lives do the same, like we, we're in this flow of being truly human. That's yep. That's where I feel like we find our, our true humanity.
0: Yeah, I think that's the beautiful that is the beautiful thing about that like, the idea of the Trinity and just the idea of like just the idea of God being a God being a self giving God, a God who like in Philippians 2, right? It says that you know Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. but humbled Himself and right. became nothing. You know, became a servant. Um, and like this is this is who God is. And the weird thing is that we get this idea. We 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 don't have that idea of God. Like typically, we think there's even the, there's even a the verse in Acts where it talks about um, I think it's Pilate. Where he stands up in front of the people and he's got this shiny breastplate and it's gleaming in the sun and people are like he looks like a god mm. and and what they mean is oh he's powerful and he's up there and he's far mm. away from us and he's got this great power over he has you know he's the ruler of this great empire and he's like a god but that is nothing like God. What Jesus shows us is this idea of God who's like. A baby in the straw who's a humble servant who's Just washing the feet. Isaiah 52.
1: Yeah, the servant it's like, who. That's what
0: God looks like. Yeah. And it's like it's so upside down. <laughs> it's like it's so upside down from the, our, our typical way of thinking. It's like to, to reorient ourselves to the idea of, no, God isn't like that. God is, God is humbling himself. He's serving us. He's loving us. He's giving up everything for us. And then the the Trinity, that idea is so beautiful. Like, you know, and you see this all the time, right? The Father exalts the Son. The Son says, I only do what I see the Father doing. The Father's greater than I. And then the Spirit says, Oh, no, it's not about me. It's about Jesus and the Father. And they're each deferring to one another. They're each lifting up the other. And so it's this sort of hurricane, whirlwind, you know, tsunami of how they can uh, consider others greater than themselves, right? And that we get invited into that. We're, we're invited into that, right? That idea of they're, they're saying to us, come on in. This is great. You know, come and share in this with us. The more of us who are doing this, who are emptying ourselves, serving one another, lifting others up, you know, <coughs> washing others' feet, giving what we have to be to a blessing to others,
3: that really is better. You know, what's you know, interesting about, you know, it, it's sometimes mind-boggling when, when we say, oh, that, like Jesus' example of like being born in a manger – is a significant thing. Like, oh, he's just this, this common, lowly person that's amazing. Well, the only reason it's amazing is because we think it's like, well, wait a minute, it looks like just like me or you or most yes. people. Like a
0: lot of babies were born just like that.
3: Well, yes. yeah, every all humans are common at some point. You've probably have felt common at some point. You go, well, oh, it's just I put on. You know how you put on your pants. You know, you know how you live your life. It's very common. I just and jump right into. Them. I just do, do this. Jump is,
0: both legs. Boom.
3: And, and I think even if we were to look at like someone like Caesar or president or whoever, like if you're if they're being honest with themselves, I mean, they feel that, too. You know, every, we all feel vulnerable and insignificant at some points, but maybe that's what God looks like because that's what we look like. Maybe that's the real thing It's like it's not a, it's not a newsflash that God. Is low like, oh, it's amazing that Jesus lowered himself. Well, maybe that's just what we all are like. And he's just saying, "Hey, by the way, here's the newsflash: you guys look like God. <laughs> I'm just here to show you that. <laughs> it's always been that way. Awesome.
1: That's why I think not to go on a tangent. Oh wait, you're playing the playing off music, and I'm about to start. Okay, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to say what I was about to say.
0: We'll save that for the. Notice. I will put
1: it on our notes. We'll We'll, we'll, we'll get it later. But yeah.
0: Yeah, but but thank
1: fun. you guys so much thank for coming.
0: Thank you guys coming. for being a part of our first recording. Thank you so much.